Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of our Creighton Volleyball Wrap-Up Podcast. Um, I'm Matt DeMarinas from whiteandbluereview.com. Uh, that's Megan Ballinger, my co-host, former Blue Jay. Um, today we're going to break down the Rice Adidas Invitational. The Jays just played in in Houston, Texas this past weekend. Creighton beat Kansas State in four sets on Saturday and then lost to Rice in five sets in a I don't know. Probably the weirdest match I've ever seen. And <laughs> I'm not sure if it if it can be topped. Um, so yeah, we're gonna break down those two matches and kind of take some um take kind of the pulse of what Creighton looks like right now as a team, how they're playing, what their outlook is as they get ready, because Biggie's play is coming up this week, so they're done with the non conference portion of their schedule. Um so let's start with uh, looking back on the weekend. Um Kansas State, the four setter. Jays won 25-16, 25-22, lost the third set in pretty lopsided fashion, and then rebounded to win 25-19 and closed it out in the fourth. So starting with the Kansas State match, um, I guess what are some maybe uh, pros and cons? Let's, let's try it that way. What are some good and bad from that that you saw out of out of the Jays side of things? Um, you know, I thought those first two sets were competitive back and forth. And then it, it's hard. You always talk about that third set coming back and finishing really strong and not letting up. And I think for them, I think that might have been a teaching moment in that third set just because they did, you know, get beat pretty, pretty handily 25 to 13 and then had to rally and, and win that fourth set. So I think that right there was a was a really just a learning opportunity. And then I mean, there were some there were some good performances. Um, Kiana Schmidt was really really efficient. Um, Keeley had another really good good match and did a lot of different things with the ball. I thought scored a lot of different ways. Um, so I thought they those two in particular had really strong offensive performances. Um, and then I mean, some of the regular people you know that are in the rotation getting a lot of kills. I thought struggled some um, off and on. So. They kind of had to move it around, which it's gonna it's is gonna happen. Um, so I think that too was a was a learning opportunity and kind of needed people to step up um, and have efficient nights. Yeah, I think this was a good opportunity for Creighton to show, maybe not just opponents, but like themselves too. Because I bet you, as you're as you get into the season as a player, you know you listen all off season about how competitive everything has been in practice. And then you have those honest conversations with coaches or that like, conversations with coaches that you hope are honest, right? It is, it's not like that everywhere, certainly, but conversations that you hope are pretty straightforward and honest about your position on the team and your role. And when you hear coaches publicly making comments like that, they have a lot of depth. You want to see that kind of play out a little bit when, when a person at your position isn't playing well, you get an opportunity. Like, is that really true? Do we have depth? Do you trust me to to come in in a moment when things aren't going according to plan and to perform? And I think Creighton uh, got that or got to show that to, um, you know, to opponents and themselves when Jazz Schmidt stepped up in, you know, in that fourth set, got a couple of kills. Cause like you said, uh, you know, Ava Martin, Ciara um, Reinhardt, Norris did not have efficient, uh, days hitting wise so mm-hmm. you know jazz coming on late and getting a couple kills it probably boosted her confidence and i think we saw that in the rice match because she turned around 
and really was, you know, the number one option for most of the early portion of that match. She was really efficient. She was putting the ball down in different ways. So I think the end of the Kansas State match kind of, uh, you know, boosted her a little bit, and she carried that over at least into the early portion, the first, you know, two, three, four sets of the Rice match. And I think that's good for Creighton going forward because, you know, Ava Martin is a freshman. You know, Kiara Reinhardt is coming back from a back injury. Um, and then Nora and Keeley are kind of the marked players on the scouting report. So there's going to be times where one or two of them or two or three of that group aren't clicking and you need to find some options off the bench to come in and just change the pace. You know what I mean? Give the opponent something they weren't planning for. And it just changes the tenor of the match and it gives you some momentum. And I thought what jazz did at the end of K-State and into the rice match, I think is good big picture, even though they didn't win the rice one and, and rice adjusted to her as the match went on. I think it's good for Creighton to know they have options that are legitimately options off the bench. Don't you think? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, this is really Jazz's opportunity to, you know, get in and kind of prove herself too. And so I think, at least for me, I always like to see a player who's, you know, kind of been on the sidelines come in and make a really big impact. And she did almost immediately, which is really impressive, especially, you know, when you haven't been getting um, minutes really early in the season. Um, But yeah, I mean, no one, it's not going to be the same people every single night. Usually, I mean, that's typically some people are going to have an off night and um, I, you know, Nora, I thought kind of just had like an off weekend for her, you know, we didn't really see her see what she typically does, um, throughout these two matches and other people had to step up. And I think they did. Um, and I think, you know, that rice match is a little bit more balanced maybe with their offense. Um, I thought they had to go to some different people and then a few other people had good performances overall. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it is what it is. I think they took away these teams, you know, took away certain players' favorite shots or um, favorite thing to do. And then other people had to be ready. And um, I thought certain people executed when they need to. So I thought that was impressive. Yeah. And the thing about Big East play too, let's just call it what it is. Like, you know, Creighton's, there's only going to be a handful of teams, if that, that Creighton's going to have to, um, you know, bring its A game for. Like, I'm just being honest. Like, that, you know, the, I don't think the league has made the jump I thought they were going to make, but it's still pretty it's still pretty top heavy, right? You have UConn and Marquette, who look like they're capable of knocking off Creighton. Um, those will be tough matches. It looks like DePaul's put a tough schedule, so you know while their results aren't good, they at least are battle tested. Um, and then Xavier's been in like every match has been a five setter basically. So I mean, there's going to be some get right games for Creighton where they can just go out there and. Um, you, you know, you'll, you expect a lot of players to play and get some repetitions. And I think, you know, just having that right as the springboard before conference play comes in, you know, where you're just like, okay, uh, you know, Nora didn't have a great weekend, but Keeley did. Kiara had a great match against Rice. Kiana had a great match against Kansas State. Um, Jazz hit the ball, like, you know, did her thing against uh, Rice. Like, you know, and Kendra offensively, I'll talk about that in a second. But there was just a lot of, options for Creighton offensively and I think that's 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 good to have as a springboard because you don't I don't think you want to get into a situation where you have like five players with 10 kills against Georgetown I don't know what that does for your big picture confidence because you're like you know Georgetown's not really on Creighton's level but Rice is and if you have a bunch of players that are clicking against Rice on the road you know in a big non-con match a top 25 matchup like that's that's pretty big for your 
your psyche going forward, right? Because that's the type of team that you're going to have to go through in December and and the end of November when the Big East tournament rolls around, right? Yeah, I think I think they were a great team for them to have as their not last non conference game. You know, I kind of even though they lost, I thought this loss will motivate them. Like if I was a player, I think I would be very motivated by this because you lost by such a close margin, right? And those games just like tick you off, honestly. Like it's two points, right? It's a swing of two points in the fifth set and games like that, I think motivate you. And hopefully Creighton can continue to raise their level even when they go into conference play. So, you know, they don't have that drop off. Even if a team maybe isn't as competitive, I think the hardest part sometimes of playing in the Big East is that you have to uphold your standard of, not always easy to do um when certain teams like you said maybe aren't as strong um and you have more people coming in and out or you're killing a team and so I think those things are kind of hard so I think this hopefully should motivate them and we'll see them come out and hopefully play better I think that was the case a lot of times if we lost we come out we'd be really sharp the next game and we'd be ready to go yeah, well, I think you were motivated by only winning by two sometimes, too. You felt like it should have been more lopsided. So, um, <laughs> yeah. um, Kendra Waite, I think this was an, first of all, we're getting, we're going to start entering territory with Kendra where we start to expect the digs and the dimes to be there. You know what I mean? Cause she's just, just an incredible defensive athlete. Um, but offensively, she was really, really good this week. And I know, and I know, that you love an aggressive setter. I know you do because of what it opens up for every hitter on the floor. So 14 kills on 26 swings this weekend for Kendra, only two errors. After she was like, there was a stretch coming into this weekend where she had about three or four matches where she wasn't, you know, clearing 200 as a setter. And I think that's when you started entering territory where, you know, where you mess with your setter's confidence because of all the things she already has to worry about with hitter connection, now she's like, do I even call my number? Because the ball's not going down. I'm not finding holes. I feel like I'm just sending free balls over and, and compromising my team. So what's this weekend do for her to have an efficient weekend of calling her own number, dumping when she, you know, sees opportunities and putting the ball down in spots, you know, against two pretty good defenses in K-State and Rice? Um, you know, I think Kirsten mentioned timing as a factor. That's something they worked on this weekend for Kendra that she felt was key for her this weekend. What did you see um, and how important do you think it is for her? Like you mentioned earlier to have that kind of springboard against two high level teams where she feels confident in, in her ability to call her own number and put the ball down. Yeah, I thought she was very, very efficient against um, K-State, especially. I thought a little bit more efficient than in that Rice game, but I thought Rice's level of defense was maybe a little bit better than K-State as well. So you kind of have that. Um, going on, but yeah, you know, I thought overall she did a really good job of, of picking times and that is kind of the hardest part getting into the flow of the game and trying to pick, okay, when has the defense, you know, when are they not getting back to base? When are they more relaxed? When is that dump in the middle of the, the donut area on their side of the net open? And I think she executed that really well. And as the game went on, I thought, you know, she picked her times and was able to throw it down and especially when they get that pass on the net and she's front row, I just think, you know, she's there and she, you have to worry about her because she can throw it down and she's really strong. And um, even if it's tight, usually she's winning jousts. So that sort of thing, I think, 
a lot of times you're like, get her on the net, get her on the net. So it's an option. And that blocker has to kind of bite on that and, and wait. So I think that part of it is like what you said, opens up the offense um, so much when they're in system and getting her on the net. And when she is executing and getting kills, I think it just helps the offense overall run a little bit smoother. Well, especially when you have this balance of hitter options too. Like, you know, when you can throw it out to Keeley, toss it in the back row to Nora, hit Kiana on the slide, hit Kiara with a quick, like, um, if a middle it has if if a, if a blocker has to tag her all the time or you have to constantly worry about it, that, that as a defense you know you're you're creating if you're reading the if you're reading the defense properly you're creating a lot of solo blocks for your hitters that have put the ball down pretty good like i think all their hitters so far in the non-con i've had one or two or three matches where they can like kind of look at the stat sheet and go all right yeah i had a good day today like this this is you know i feel good about what i how I perform. So, you know, you've got some confident hitters, some hitters that are, you know, they, they're confident in their ability to put the ball down if you call their number and throw it to them. So, you know, just having like that, you know, where a defense is like, all right, look, you got to watch her because she's, I mean, 26 attempts, that's one thing. But putting the ball down as much as she is, like, you know, you have to, you have to account for her. She's, that was an aggressive, that's an aggressive setter, I think. Yeah, and I think the hard part, too, is they run that slide with Kiana behind. So then the middle has the responsibility of being with that setter. And then the left pin blocker gets to take that slide. So you also hold that middle, and so then it creates openings to the outside. So I think that's the thing. When she's so aggressive, you almost have to commit blocks sometimes when she goes up to dump it because she's putting it down really fast. And then that ball to the outside, there's a gap in that block usually with that middle trying to close to the right side. So Either way, you're doing really good things when you're getting that ball in the net, and she's she's either setting it or she's throwing it down for a kill. For sure, uh, Keely, you mentioned Keely's performance against Kansas State. Um, you know, it's honestly you look at her total weekend. I think she had a little bit of a homecoming too. Her, I think, I guess, uh, her dad lives in Houston, so she had some family there on his side of the. Uh, and you could hear she had a pretty loud contingent whenever she was doing something. There was a, you know, there was a good roar there. Um, but she, you know, she averages three over three kills per set, over three digs per set, and hits over two fifty. Man, as a six rotation outside, like I don't know if you can ask for much better than that. That's that's all American stuff right there. You know what I mean? When you're when you're talking about being on the floor all the time and not coming off and having to deal, having to pass, serve, and hit. That's it's pretty good stuff. Hard to argue with what Keeley did this weekend. Hard to hard to complain, I guess I should say. Yeah, she was super efficient against K-State, and I thought that was really impressive. And um, serving, too, I thought she put pressure on pressure on K-State, but missed a few serves as well. Um, but, you know, overall, I think serving for her is such a huge component of what she does. So, I mean, she turned around in the Rice game and then had four aces and – or no, three aces and zero errors. So, I think either way, I think she was consistent. And um, even though offensively against Rice, she maybe wasn't – as high as she want to be with that hitting percentage, I think overall, like the weekend balanced out really well. And, and she was efficient overall. And like we said, had a lot of shots, did a lot of different things and that allowed her to score a lot of different ways. And then Kiara Reinhardt uh, did, did not have a great match against uh, Kansas state from a hitting standpoint, uh, which, which I think to, to me, I'm like, all right. Cause I think the coming into the year when you're coming off of a back injury and, Maybe your, you know, your physicality and your endurance maybe isn't matching up yet because you have to kind of work your way back into match shape, you know, after missing a whole year. 
So you're kind of thinking, okay, what is Kiara? What's Kiara? What is what can Kiara do on a back to back? You know, what is what does that day two feel like for her? You know, how effective can she be? How how worn down does she feel? You know what I mean? As she's trying to work her way, you know, get her legs back underneath her. Honestly, for for her to have a better match against Rice than she did against Kansas State, I think is a really, really big deal. Maybe the biggest Aside from beating Rice and, and getting that, you know, marquee, you know, road win, I think this is that's the, maybe the biggest story of this weekend is Kiara having a great day against Rice less than 24 hours after she played Kansas State because it kind of tells you, you know, she's she's coming back. You know what I mean? Because I think that's when you would figure she would have the drop off would be day two. But, you know, she had 15 kills and hit 448. That's that's a that's a big deal, especially against that opponent. Yeah, I'm sure she was probably a little bit upset with herself after that K State no, match. I know no I doubt. I know I would have been if I were her. Um so I mean I just thought she was really efficient and she's somebody that I think approaches it the same way every every day, you know, and she's super aggressive, super super upbeat, brings the energy, and I think she was just ready to go um and just made herself available all the time. Um and got rewarded with getting um, a lot of attempts. She had 29 attempts, which I don't know if that's a season season high. I think that's a lot from what I remember um, compared to kind of what what else she got in some other matches. Um, but you're, not yeah, she, I, you're not complaining about that, though, right? You, you think that's, Oh, I'm not complaining, yeah. no. Not at all. Not at all. I love it. Yeah, and I think, you know, she only got two blocks, but, man, she got a lot of touches. I thought, I thought she did a really good job of, you know – Getting set up and making herself a presence at the net too. There was one. I mean, I, I blocking is so hard for just someone like me to, you know, gauge a good performance because you just look at the stat sheet and you go, all right, well, you know, only two blocks for your middle. You feel like there should be more if you're having a good day. But there was a one play I remember. Uh, maybe it was in set four against Rice where they set the same player. <laughs> I think number nineteen is who they set. They set the same player four different times and she got she got stuffed three all four times and then the fourth one finally went down for a point for Creighton but it's like those are touches those are big those are important and I thought you know Yara and Keeley and Kendra had really good days at the net so I think that's I think she, I think this was a big performance for her I know it's you know look at the stat sheet and you think it's just offensive it's only offense and it's unbalanced but I thought she was good defensively as well yeah, you know, and as much as, like, stuff blocks and ace blocks are, um, getting touches and, you know, taking up the correct area of the court is the primary objective. So, I mean, hopefully you get a lot of blocks. I think that's a fun part of the game, and um, getting rewarded for being in the right place is fun um, as a middle blocker. But, yeah, you know, I thought she funneled um, balls to the defense really well. Um, and then, you know, Allison Witten was really efficient, I thought, and left back. And so Kiara was one of those people taking up space. Um and allowing that ball to be funneled to the defense, and then they could run their offense out of it. Um, but, yeah, you know, the thing for me, too, they got outblocked in both of these matches, which I feel like is something that they kind of always hang their hat on. And especially last year, I thought a lot of times they beat opponents um, in that category. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of if that progresses over time. Um, but, yeah, that's something I just have noticed the last few matches, especially um, quite, not quite as many blocks as I think I would have expected, just, like, looking at, the overall stats yeah I, th- I i don't i don't even know if they had a good blocking day against kansas state at all 
So I think a lot of, you know, uh, I mean, part of Creighton's defense is what you said. It's about funneling to certain spots. So you're not always necessarily looking for the ace block. You're more of just looking for where you want the ball to go to nail the pass to get your offense back in, in, in system. So, but I, I don't think you're probably right that they did not have a great blocking weekend, especially when you look at the dig numbers against Kansas state. I mean, that's a lot of digs for a four setter. So, um, yeah, the ball's getting through a lot anyway. So, um, but yeah, we're, I can tell we're on sync and we podcasted a lot. We didn't plan very much, uh, before we started recording, but she mentioned Allison Witten and that was the next player I was going to bring up, especially when, it, in regards to funneling stuff to her, um, you know, 24 digs against Rice, 21 against Kansas State. It, it got her Big East Defensive Player of the Week. And, you know, something that is interesting about her is I think she's starting to kind of get comfortable a little bit. And maybe something I didn't consider with her is when you think about, well, she was, uh, you know, a libero at Moorhead State. She played against Can- Creighton in the NCAA tournament. Like, you kind of just think she's, she's good defensively, right? You don't really worry about her. She's actually going through a position switch here. So, you know, Kirsten Bernthalbu said she played exclusively middleback at Moorhead State, and she's not playing that very much at Creighton. So I don't know. I, I know you were mostly a front row player, especially later in your career. But what's the difference um, from the de- from a detail standpoint in a position switch like that, even when it's just in the background, it's just one spot over? Um. I mean, the hardest thing, like middle back is just a little bit different because a lot of times you're running to your right or your left, like for those, those shots, you know, the balls that are more like shots to the deep corners and that sort of thing. And you're trying to stay deep and get those balls that come off high hands a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, so as much as you take hard driven balls, I would say you probably take a, a few less in, in middle back um, and then yeah. left back, of course. That's not really a spot of the court. You get the hard shots, do you? Right. Not typically, just because a lot of times you, if your block is set up, then you're behind them um, or trying to be like deep in those gaps. So a lot of times you're you're getting those kind of balls that are like more shots um, and that sort of thing. And then in left back, you're there to take those really hard driven balls. So I think that's the difference. And just the angle of it, too. I mean, you're closer to the swings and you're having to pick up short tips a lot. So it's a lot more like forward and backward movement in left mm-hmm. and right back and then. Middle back, you're kind of going left to right, trying to turn and run, um, get balls that are deep, or you're trying to track down balls that get like shanked deep and that sort of thing. So I think from that standpoint, yeah, it's just a little bit different, hard driven versus maybe a little bit more off speed and um, deep tipping and that sort of thing in middle back. Makes sense. This is a big, I think this is, uh, she's putting together some good performances though. And I think, I don't know how you guys feel about those those, those weekly awards, but. I don't know, getting some recognition, that's got to boost her up a little bit. You know, she's in a new system, uh, a new team in her first year. As much as she has experience, you know, she's also kind of a rookie in some regards, right? Learning a new position, in a new spot, in a new team, with new teammates. So, I don't know, getting some get some recognition for your for your effort, I think, is, is, a, is a confidence booster. And you clearly put in the work. Like, you can tell she's getting better at reading those shots and, you know, keeping those hard driven balls up on the, you know, so you're, so the Creighton at least has a chance to, to, to hit it back, you know? So, I mean, whether it's in system or not, you know, you, you don't really, that's, that's an unfair position to judge because that thing's coming hard and fast at you. It's not the easiest thing in the world to pass a three out of that. You know what I mean? So, you know, you'll almost take it if it's, if the setter can even get to it, you're kind of, okay. Um, 
so I think this is a big weekend for her, and I think she's putting together some performances. You know, Florida State and Omaha, I thought she was pretty good in as well, especially later in the match. Like, she seems to be someone who kind of gets warmed up, gets gets a feel for things as they go on. I think, you know, that's that's something that's interesting too. But I, I the way she's playing right now, I think bodes well for Creighton's defense because, um, you know, Abby Bottomley and Jayla Zimmerman was so good last year. They don't have either of those players right now. So, um for her to kind of step up and get a big East Defensive Player of the Week award right before conference play starts, I think it's a pretty big deal. Um, where are we going next? Oh yeah, so some here's some big picture things. Sorry, my notes are off to the side. I have to look <laughs> refresh my memory sometimes. Sorry about that, folks. Um, one thing that is starting to become a, a little bit of a concerning. I don't want to say narrative because. Kirsten is the one bringing it up. So it's not like I'm creating this or anything, or, or we're the ones who are harping on it. Um, we're, we're just reacting. Um, but so, for, you, you know, you played at Creighton, you know what they kind of hang their hat on, right? And they, one of the things is not allowing teams to go on scoring runs. And scoring runs you define as a 3-0 or more, right? If they score three straight points or more. Um, that happened, that happened a lot to Creighton this weekend. And it's, it's, it's a, a little bit of a concerning trend. So I went back. It's something that Kirsten has been bringing up slowly more and more as the weeks go on. And I think it's starting to become a thing where she's officially um, hoping to see some strides made because it's, it's happening pretty consistently. So I went back and counted um, all of the runs, all of this quote unquote scoring runs defined by, you know, three points or more. So Creighton's going up 83 of those this year. So that's 1.8 per set so basically and and i and i and the the part about it that's kind of jarring i didn't i didn't track this part but it stood out to me as i was as i was tracking it it's not just three oh runs like they're giving up five oh six oh they gave up an eight oh run to rice like those that switch is so much like that's so hard because you can be dominating a match and they did it against kansas state too that they were 14 to six and then they gave up a six row run it was 14 12 just like that all your momentum's gone and you don't even know what you're doing right now. You know what I mean? You're trying to just side out and get some get some wind underneath your wings. Um, so that's a lot. I feel I feel I don't know. Is 1.8 scoring runs per set? Is that a, is that a high clip to you? Do you feel like that's officially concerning? Eleven matches into the season, if you've given up that many already. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like that's so many, and I notice it even just watching the matches. You know, and I'm just like, wow that person's still serving. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're just like, wow. Yeah. Like, they're still there. Like, this has been a lot. And you're just kind of waiting for them to respond. And yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like they need that, like, terminal person who they're like, give me the ball. I'm going to put it down. Um, mm. First point, you know, and kind of let's serve and let's go for a run. Um, is that, yeah, that's, is that, hard. not to interrupt you, sorry, but is that where they kind of miss Jayla right now the most? She had that kind of like, you know, I don't know if you can hear me snapping. Um, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, she like she kind of had that. No, that's that's enough. It's our, you know, it's time to get a kill here and end this thing. You know. Yeah, yeah, I think it is, and I think I mean part of it too. This weekend is their outsides weren't terminating. You yeah, know, at yeah. a very high clip at all, and I think those are the people that usually are like, oh, okay, let's set it out to Nora, and she'll get a kill, and then we can mm-hmm. move on. Um, but I thought too. I mean, Rice was a really, really good defensive team. So yeah. I mean, that part of it, you're playing really good defensive team, and um, you might have to transition a few times to get a kill, but 
let it, to let it go on for you know multiple points I think that's the part where you're like okay what are we what are we gonna do here or are we gonna have a specific play are we gonna switch our players around are we gonna do something a little bit more tricky that maybe they aren't expecting and then we kind of keep that in our back pocket if we need to pull it out and get ourselves out of out of a run that a team's going on um mm -hmm. to us but yeah, I think like across the board, maybe some people just need to be like, okay, you know, I'm ready to terminate. Like I come in with the fire and I'm just ready. Like, let's get out of it. I think sometimes you need that instead of kind of letting a team get a few and then you're like, okay, now I'm pissed. Like, let's go. So mm -hmm. I think from that standpoint, I think maybe a few other players stepping up um, right away and getting that first ball kill, um, you know, right away is just going to be beneficial. So I'm sure that's something they're going to work on and I'm sure they'll do lots of drills where they can't let the other team go on runs against them yeah. and all that fun it's, stuff. So. God, it seems like a weird thing to have to prevent because you feel like you're always trying to stop the team from scoring, right? But it just takes – it does feel like it's more of a mindset issue than a physical issue, doesn't it? Like where you're just like – you have to just tell yourselves, like, that's it. They've scored enough. You know, whether it's one point or two, if you're trying to keep momentum on your side of the net, Stopping those scoring runs is pivotal, right? I mean, you're let's go back to the most recent example, set five against Rice. You're up 10-7, and then you give up a 5-0 run. Now you're chasing them. You, they, to Creighton's credit, you know what I think is impressive is they respond. They do a good job of responding, but they're making the thing hard on themselves. So, like, they were up 10-7. You're going to 15. All you have to do is side out the rest of the match. You win. You know what I mean? You're up to, you, got, you got the cushion already. But you're up 10-7, and you give that up. Because you allow them to go on a 5-0 run. Now you're chasing them. So your 3-0 run right there that you because they got it, they got back up 13-12. So they responded eventually with a run of their own. But you would have put the match away if you decided out a couple times, you know. All you do is side out a couple times. Then your 3-0 run that you put together right there at the end of the thing, you're going home with ice cream as opposed to going home feeling <laughs> pissed off, you know. So I think that's yeah. kind of it does feel like more of a mindset thing. Like if you're up 10-7, you know. You got to go for the kill. You have to put you have to step on their throat. That's time. That's the time to wrap that thing up. You know what I mean? Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it is, and I think it's that issue of urgency. And sometimes it's it's mm. hard mentally to be in that place where you're like, you know, because we know that we can go on runs, right? Like, okay, mm -hmm. we're capable of that. Like we've been doing that all game. You know, we get down two, we can catch up. It's fine. But I think that point where you're ahead, you just want to be so like urgent about scoring points and just terminal as much as you can. And I think it, I mean, obviously Creighton has great athletes are capable of getting a kill, swinging away and all that sort of stuff, you know, that I need to have. But I think a lot of it in those moments can be mindset, like you said. So I think it's just that like terminal mindset, like I'm getting set and I'm getting a kill no matter what, you know? And I think, I don't know how much, you know, everyone on the team thinks that obviously, but um, I just think, you know, maybe it just needs to be, be practiced more and they need to be put in situations where they're like, I must get a kill Want you know, we have one chance to get a kill here to win it. And, yeah. um, that's the point where it'll be interesting to see if they learn from, you know, a loss like this, um, and see if maybe they do allow less runs going forward. I'm sure that's going to be a point, a point yeah. of, of contingency for them. For sure. I think, you know, it's interesting because I, I have so many questions about, how would you drill that? Because I think that's something that's just, like I said, it's, I think it's more of a collective mindset. Like if you're, if you're up 10, seven or whatever it is, you know what I mean? And you're getting close to, or even if you're getting close to end game, cause I think there was, 
you know, they're 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 you can go back to other matches where you know you're giving up these runs that flip end game where you're up 22-20 or you know 21-18 and you give up four or five points in a row and then you're you're calling timeouts trying to figure out what just happened. And I and so I'm like, how do you drill that that just like you said, being terminal when it's like we gotta put the ball down so we can get this thing so we can put them on um on the back foot and not us. And it's it's interesting because I think I mean obviously you can you know do simulation in practice where it's like if you make you know if you don't put the ball down you know you got to run or things like that where it just kind of drills that you know that that physically you drill it physically into your mindset right um but you also have an aggressive mindset with your hitters and in order to preserve that you have to be okay with errors right so is is there intensity to give up these scoring runs that we've seen so far like i said 83 for the first through the first 11 matches how much of it is tied to um making aggressive mistakes versus not making aggressive mistakes so i think that i think they would be okay i mean not only they would be okay with it but i think they would be able to live with it at the end of the day if they were giving up runs because their errors were out of aggression as opposed to if they're kind of you know not taking aggressive swings and then the team is sustaining a run because of that don't you think there's a there's a balance that has to be struck there a little bit, right? Yeah, I think yeah, you you hit it on the head. I think there's always a balance, but I don't a coach isn't gonna be be mad at you, right, for going up, taking a really aggressive approach and having a really, really tough, um, aggressive swing. So I think that part of it, I don't know how much I've seen them get like timid at in game. I think I think they generally go for it, um, you know, and swing away and do what they can. Um but, yeah, I don't know if it needs to be, you know, more of a game plan. Like, okay, like, let's run this specific rotation. Let's swing this person inside on a different on a different hit. Let's do something to make those blockers think and to make those blockers move. I think sometimes it becomes a setting decision, too. Like, okay, who's the hot hand right now? I think, you know, I, I think Kendra's generally pretty good at doing that. But I thought there were a few times, like, against Rice, she kept going to Nora, kept going to Nora, and I thought, Set the right side. That girl's hot. Like she's gonna get a kill. I think you know more times than Nora is right now in this specific match. So I think you know part of it is that too. I think you gotta trust all your hitters, but at the same time you kind of gotta feed into who who has that mindset or who do you look at it and they're like, set me the freaking ball. Like I'm gonna put this ball down. That sort of thing. Um, so I don't know. I think it's a balance of a lot of things. Yeah. Is there ever that moment in the match? Do you ever like? Is there ever a moment where like the hitter just kind of looks at the setter and just like gives her like a getting this next ball if you oh yeah really sure for sure and i think those are the people that you're like okay i'll get you the ball like if it's Mm -hmm. a good pass i'm getting you the ball you know and i think those are the people that are like fun to set too um because you're you just trust them so much because you know they're going to be ready you know they're going to swing away be super aggressive Mm -hmm. and go for it so i think there's moments in the match too maybe maybe more people need to be like i'm ready you know like i'm ready to put this ball down give me the ball um so I don't know. Those are the hard things, like from an outsider's perspective, to know kind of what's oh, happening. Sure. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think the more that you can have people that are super, you know, super aggressive, super competitive at end game, I think the better because then you have great options, no matter how how good your pass is and what options you have to set. Yeah, I do wonder though. Like I'm now that it's been said over and over again, it's it's in my head to watch now. How many? I'm gonna be watching this week. I don't know. I mean, obviously they're not gonna play the level of competition they played this weekend, but or through the whole non-con, but, you know, you're going to be watching and counting those scoring runs in your mind and trying to just watch them closer because you're trying to figure out the common denominator, aren't you? Like, 
all right, why did they get why did they give up a scoring run there? Why did Kirsten need to burn a timeout to settle things down here? Like what happened? You know, you're gonna start to segment the match a little bit more. I think just naturally as she you know, now that the concern is settled in when you look at the big picture of eighty three, that does seem like a lot, you know what I mean? When you're talking about momentum swings in volleyball and how quickly they happen, eighty three three oh runs, that's a lot, you know, when you're t- when you're trying to put teams away and trying to get quality wins. I know some of it is like they've played a tough schedule, so you know, those teams aren't pushovers, but you know, when you're in control, put the thing away. That's kind of what I think the the mindset would have to be. And I think that's where they would miss like Nayla Zimmerman, because you're talking about um kind of like verbal cues, right? Where it doesn't have to be like specifically like, hey, in the huddle, listen, I'm option one, I'm the all-American, I'm the biggest player of the year, <laughs> give me the freaking ball. It's more just like, you know, you give like a little eye contact, like I'm ready to put this ball down. They scored two in a row. That person has been serving too long, whatever it is. Like, you know, we're going to nail this pass and you're going to set me this ball and I'll put it down. So that's kind of, you know, maybe someone needs to assume that aggressive killer instinct role that Jayla has filled for the last two years. Um, And maybe that will serve to mitigate this, uh, what is a concern in Kirsten's mind about how many scoring runs they're giving up? So we'll see, right? Yeah, we'll uh, see what happens. Can we uh I'm curious to get your take on the non-con as a whole now that's in now that's in the it's in the review mirror. Eight and three. Um the lovely NCAA for some reason they deleted their RPI archive. Uh, I don't know why, but I can't yeah. see it now. So but going into the weekend, K-State was 56, somewhere in that range. Uh, CU was 22, Rice was 21. So this was a, I think going one and one this weekend and, you know, losing a five-setter at Rice is not a killer, even though the coaches pull dropped in five spots. But we don't, have to, we don't have to pay attention to the coaches pull right now. It's, it's over with now. It's all about RPI. Um, I don't know. It, here's the part of me that's going to seem weird and maybe you can break this apart a little bit. I don't know. I kind of feel like, the non-con Creighton put together, it's. I think it's gonna. I think first of all, no question about it, they put together an NCAA tournament resume. So I think they're like, as long as they don't completely fall apart in Big East play, which hasn't happened, you know, in the better part of a decade, uh, I think they're a lock for the tournament. So let's just get that out of the way first before I say this next part. Okay. I don't think they are in good position to host unless you know they rip through the Big East and kick Marquette's ass, which again. It's also something they've done for the better part of the decade. So it could happen. But I don't think they're in good position to host right now. However, I don't think I care that much. Because historically speaking, you, Creighton's been better on the road in the NCAA tournament than they have been at home. I'm just saying it. Like, I don't know. I know it sounds crazy because you want to be in your own gym with your own fans and your own, like, raucous environment behind you, right? All those variables together. But I just think back, like, 316 in Chapel Hill, 316 in Lawrence, when that that was, I mean, before I went to Iowa City last March for the women's tournament, basketball tournament, Lawrence was still the number one. I've never seen a match game, whatever it is, more intense than that. Um, and so it's still number two. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, Lawrence, and then you're now you're in Austin, you know, you get you beat Michigan in five sets. So, um, and then and then your senior year, you were in Minneapolis and you had Minnesota on the ropes, you know, and you almost put them away in four in their own gym. So, 
I'm like, I know Creighton wants to host. I know it's a goal of theirs to host. But I'm also like, y'all play pretty well on the road, historically speaking. You know, I know it's different groups and whatnot, and you kind of have to manage that. But I don't know. doesn't seem like the worst thing in the world that they're currently set up to be a lock for the tournament, but maybe have to travel. I don't know. Am I crazy? Or do you think the Jays should be like, no, we're pissed off. We want to host. Come on. My recommendation is don't host. Don't <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after my experience, do not host. Do not host. Um, yeah, how many no, times did I you mean, host? Like did you, you host said, twice? You hosted twice, right? In your career? Didn't you go back to back? We lost to Washington at home. Who else did we lose to at home? You were on the, you were on the team that lost to Michigan State, right? Weren't you? Lost Michigan State at home, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so see, I think your don't freshman know. year. Your fr- your redshirt freshman year, or your your true freshman year My, was twenty fifteen. Yeah, yeah. So you were you were redshirting when they won in, when they went to Sweet Sixteen out of Chapel Hill. Yeah. You were playing when they went to the Sweet Sixteen in Elite Eight out of Lawrence, mm-hmm. and then your senior year, um, you know your senior year you almost beat Minnesota at Minnesota, and then yeah. so the two years in between you lost in the second round at home. So yeah, your yeah. experience is kind of along my narrative there, right? Go on the road, yeah. take Don't a show have- on the road. Don't host. And I remember my senior year too. Like all of us seniors were like, we don't want to host because really? we knew, like we had all been, we had all been there. Like we were, we were like, no, okay. you know, like so Brittany you, you, and Madeline. Yeah, we're like, we're like, nah, overrated. Like we don't care. We'll go on the road. You know, like he's. I mean, it history, right? We were just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Hey. it's hard to argue with it, right? It's like, that's, hey, that's, we had yeah. played a lot better, and we still played like we played a lot better as well in that game mm-hmm. away. So, yeah, I don't recommend hosting, but I think, I don't know, like you said, it's like that, that weight of like, it's really cool that you get a host and you got to be at home and have your fans. But yeah, I think just historically, I just, I don't know. I just wouldn't for myself in that position. I would not want to host. So, and I didn't want to my last year. Well, you, you have, yeah, you have documentation to prove that it's not necessarily the greatest thing. You know what I mean? Like you're, you had better results away from home than you did at home. So I think here's, you know, you don't make me think of it. I thought of it before Peyton went to play uh, this weekend because I was like, I thought this weekend was pretty big for them in terms of creating that resume that would give them a chance to, bid for it right you know because i think if you win if you beat kansas state and on a neutral floor and beat rice on the road i think that's like okay now what are you talking about in terms of losses you're talking about kentucky and nebraska that's so yeah nebraska was a five setter so i think you're when you when you if, if you handle your business in big east play i think you present a pretty strong case to the selection committee that you are one of the top 16 teams in the country um, but I was thinking of it when I, after Wisconsin, Florida, which I have to say my bad on, because I said, um, on the Nebraska reaction pod that they'll probably break the attendance record, but they won't have a match as exciting as Nebraska Creighton. I was totally wrong. They broke the attendance record <laughs> and they had a crazy yeah. good match. So, but you know what I went through and looked at though, you look at the top four, the top four, um, what do I want to say? Like the top four matches in volleyball history that have had the lo- that have been the had the largest attendance or whatever. I didn't say that right at all. Sorry, I like Charlie <laughs> did that one up. 
But you know what I mean. The top four crowds in volleyball in in NCAA volleyball history for a regular season match, yeah, have all gone five sets and have all been won by the road team. So I kind of huh. think, I kind of think volleyball players are a little bit psychotic in that they love, <laughs> they love like spoiling things for people. Like that's so you know, you think for think about Florida going to a, going to Madison and playing in front of almost seventeen thousand people and winning. I mean, yeah, that that's not even that's not even close to neutral, and you're just like, "Yep, we're gonna ruin your night." Congrats on the record, though. Peace. You know, <laughs> yeah. take the, we'll take the dub back to Gainesville. So, um, <laughs> I don't know, and I, and then I watch what you guys have done. I'm, I'm I know I'm creating stupid narratives here out of small sample sizes, but I mean, I think I have some backup at least statistically. You guys have, you guys are hanging. You guys hung two banners in hostile territory and when you host the environment's crazy you guys play really well in that first match for sure but that roadblock has been there for round two and i know last year it had some you know some circumstances that were beyond their control with jayla going down i I, i'm pretty confident creighton beats kansas with her but you don't know so it's you kind of live with that i don't know man i kind of think volleyball players love playing on the road and love like this you know going into a crazy environment and having the world kind of be against them and rallying together and I don't know, just spoiling things. It just seems like that's something that's like in the psyche of a volleyball player. You know, when you talk about mindset in our last topic, I don't know. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if Creighton goes on the road. I just don't. I think that I think that they have the type of players that are built for that. Yeah. I mean I yeah, I recommend it. Go on the road, but uh <laughs> I you're just know. traumatized. I don't you're just like, look, the results are so much better. I just, I, yeah, I don't know. History speaks for itself, I guess, at least in my my experience. Yeah. So, do you agree though? Do when you look at uh, Creighton's resume, that eight and three, it seems like they maybe haven't done enough quite yet, um, and maybe there's not enough left for them to do. When you think about quality wins that are still out there for them to host, that's part of the topic. I think we should touch on too. How do you feel? Yeah, like I think, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think this loss against Rice probably kind of made it no question that they want to be hosting. I think if you beat them, like Rice is going to have a really good good year. It's not going to hurt them overall, you know, like mm-hmm. in the NCAA tournament, I don't think. But to host it, I think it will. Um, And then I think, I mean, like a win against Kentucky, I think would have had you as a lock to host probably. Yeah, you know, you sure. win against Rice, you win against Kentucky um then you're probably hosting but i don't know it's hard i i don't think like you said the biggies i don't think is strong enough rpi wise where they're gonna get enough really highly touted rpi wins to put themselves mm-hmm. in a position to be a top 16 seed so but you know like i don't think it's a bad thing either and i think yeah, it's, I don't, i'm with you it's just it's all arbitrary it just depends on which mm-hmm. seed you get you know are you an eight are you a nine like who, mm-hmm. who are you matched up with in the bracket how are the matchups and i think I mean, that part of it, I think it's, it just makes it interesting. And yeah, as great as hosting your, your institution and kind of just like being able to advertise it, I don't think it's really all it's chalked up to be, in my experience. I mean, you heard it from her. She played in it. So I'm, I, don't, I, don't need to, I don't need to say anything. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm with you, though, like in terms of the resume. I think if you win one of Nebraska Kentucky Rice, you have a strong case. And I know it's kind of unfair because, like, Kentucky runs, like, a lot of teams have a hard time beating them. And especially when yeah. you think about how close you were against Rice and Nebraska, losing five setters to both of them. Um, 
And then you're like, well, how much are you penalizing that really? I don't know. It's just like at the end of the day, it's a loss, you know, and you kind of have to, that's, that's, it goes on the other side of the ledger. It just does. So, you know, but the other thing is like when you watch the Rice match, I mean, Rice was 43 and four in the last 47 home matches before that, before Sunday. And the only teams that had beaten them in that gym were Oregon, Baylor, when they were top five and had Presley as the player of the year, you experienced that firsthand. Um, and Texas twice. That's it. So the only, the only, only teams they've lost to in the last four years at in that gym. So Creighton, you know, loses in the fifth set, 16-14. Almost became the fifth team, you know, with some elite an elite company. I think Creighton, if they have to go to Rice in December, would be okay with that. You know? I don't think they would be afraid of that. Like, I, th- I think they, they would see that, like, okay, we, we had you up 10-7 in the fifth. And, you know, and we had you at 2019. Honestly, we haven't talked about it yet, but that was a weird match. I mean, <sighs> it felt like there were 50 challenges. The the broadcaster didn't know what was going on. It was really I mean, he was <laughs> spending too much time responding to tweets and not telling us what's going on. So there was a lot of confusion. It was a very weird match. A lot of momentum swings, like, are you reviewing this and overturning that? And then going back and looking at it again, and it was late end game points that were flipping. And I don't know, like, I think if you're telling Creighton right now, like, look, sorry, you're not hosting, but we'll send you back to Houston in December. I think Creighton <laughs> takes that. Like, I think they would, I think there's a lot of confidence they can grab from playing as tough as they did in that environment. Um, if they get sent there again in December, I don't think they're going to be, I don't think they're going to blink. I think they'd be, I think they'd be okay with that. Maybe they, maybe it's not hosting. Maybe they want to host more than they want to go to Houston again. But I think if they get sent <laughs> to Houston as a consolation, I think they'd be all right. You know, I don't think it's something that they can't, they can't, they can't win a Houston regional, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's so hard. The NCAA tournament is just a whole different, whole different thing. I feel like it's just the approach to everything is a lot different. And I don't know. Cause I mean, you know, you either win or you go home. So I yep. think the mindset too, when you get to that stage in the season, you've, you've played a lot of matches in the last, you know, months before that. And, um, I don't know. That's why it's like the third season of season, right? It's like a whole right. different thing. And it's, it's a whole new challenge. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, down the road, obviously where that seating comes out at. And, you know, I mean, that's why Creighton plays the the preseason that they do so that they can put themselves in a really good position down the road. So mm-hmm. let's see if it pays off. Um, you know, it has historically, I think. So we'll see where they end up and all those matchups, all that fun stuff yet to come. For sure. Second season's up first, though, as Megan said. That starts this Friday. Uh, Friday, September 23rd. Uh, the Creighton opens Big East play at 630 at DJ Soko Arena. Last year, I think they were on the road for their first four Big East matches. This, their, this year, they're home for the first four. So it starts this weekend. Uh, Georgetown at 630 at DJ Soko Arena on Friday. Uh, I'm not really going to sugarcoat this. Georgetown seems like very bad. I think they're they're two and nine. They've been swept six times. So, I think we call this like we call this in the media. We call this a get right game. Where you just you're not gonna lose. So just go out there and like you know get some mojo or just just play well so you can feel good about yourself. You know it's a get right game. Creighton's coming off a loss. Georgetown is. It would be shocking if Georgetown won. So like just go out there and you know handle business. Feel good about it. 
get some sleep, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know. Make it a short pass. This is a, just this is a, yeah, just make, yeah. No, seriously. Uh, yeah, good, good, um, obviously, I'm taking pot shots at Georgetown. Megan's being more diplomatic about it. But you're from, from the player standpoint, right? You know what I'm talking about. And you played, you know, probably over 100 matches where you felt like the team didn't belong on the court with you, right? So what do you have to do as a player to get to take care of that? Like, how important is it to – you know, to make that a quick night, make you make sure you're sharp, um, make sure you play well, make sure you don't let them hang around with you and get some confidence and possibly, you know, shake you up a little bit. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, especially after this loss, I think you would expect to see a really sharp um, crane team to start off this match and just, you know, like you said, take care of business, um, do it really efficiently. I think get people involved, maybe that aren't always involved or out on the court um, if they're up big in some of the games, um, which can sometimes be kind of frustrating because it allows games to go on and on and on. Um, yeah. But I mean, I think it'll be a good confidence boost if they play well, um, you know, and have really good offensive nights. I think somebody like Nora, not that she gets in her head, but I think after two matches that she really didn't kind of play like she typically does. I think for her to have a big night offensively would be just a really good confidence boost going into Villanova. And then, I mean, Villanova is always a team that they're just feisty and their coach mm. is kind of feisty and kind of instills that in their players. So um, I think they'll have to be ready to go against Villanova. No question. Yeah. I mean, historically speaking, Villanova is the team. When you look at these two matches this weekend, Villanova is the one that you would probably circle and go, all right, that's where, you know, we better be locked in. Cause that team, like you said, they are just a little bit tenacious and they, it does come from the, from the staff on down. Like that coach is going to, I mean, he's, let me see how I want to say this. There's some antics that'll go into it. You know what I mean? Like he'll be very fired up. He'll be yelling at officials and um, yelling at his team. Like there's a lot, there's a lot that'll go into it that, that you kind of have to, you know, use in the proper way. You know what I mean? Cause if they're on tilt, you have to put them away. You can't let them, you know, settle back in if you will. So, um, but it is a match where if like, it is a matchup with Villanova that historically once Creighton gets them on tilt, they can put them away. Like it's not, it's not one of those where you find yourself in a dog fight once you get the upper hand. But I think the, the thing that's been tough about Villanova is they sometimes show up ready to rock and it's hard to get the upper hand against them because they're just like in it for the long haul and they make it tough on Creighton. So, yeah, they're coming in four and eight. They just snapped a six match losing streak, uh, beat Fordham. They've actually, the other thing that kind of lets lends you to believe that Villanova is a little bit stingy this year is they've been, they've gone five and six of their 12 matches this year. So, you know, they're hard to put away. So, and I think Creighton, is as well. So I think it might lend itself to one of those matches if if either team doesn't get the upper hand and sustain it. So but that's how the first weekend will shake out in Big East play Georgetown and Villanova. Um I just feel like it's a get right weekend for Creighton. I, I mean win, do it do it drama free, um stay healthy and just kind of build. I think it's building time, right? I know it's season two is starting. So they might be a little bit hyped up just because it's conference play, you know. And you just look yeah. at the banner. You look at the banners for a second and see what you're playing for, you know. It's kind of just reinforces it, but I don't know. I feel like, um, yeah, just have a drama free weekend, you know. And that, I think that's what Peyton can have a few of those now, you know. I think that's what you know. The, the league isn't the the non con is tougher than their league. It just is. So 
have some drama free weekends when they're when they're afforded to you. When you have teams that aren't on your level, put them away. Don't mess around with them. Right. They'll play with your food. Yeah. I think that is kind of the motto for the weekend. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't know. And then, yeah, the following weekend, they play a Wednesday, Friday, which would be a little bit different. But yeah, you're on the call for those, right? Isn't that your, your yeah, debut? I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm compensating both of those. Um, yeah, so we'll see. I think, like you said, this weekend should be a good confidence boost. I think they come out and they play really clean. Hopefully, you know, continue to raise their level, get better at all the little things. Um, just like clean volleyball, I think. And yeah. come out with some wins. I think those are things I can kind of springboard um, into that neck that following week. Um, so they come into those matches feeling really confident, feeling you know like everyone's efficient offensively. They're playing great defense. All those all those little details I think are things that you can continue to work on. Maybe even when your opponent isn't the strongest that it's going to be all season. Yeah, because you've said it many times, right? Like it's 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 about our side of the net mostly. You know, that's what that's what kind of like your mindset has to be when you're playing a team that you think or that the outside world thinks you should you should walk over or that they're an RPI killer and you can't afford to lose. So you go in with some pressure of like there's not really a whole lot to gain from winning, but there's a lot to lose here. That pressure can consume you. But if you I think you've said it over and over again, even as a player, if we just if you just focus on your side of the net and do the things that you're trying to improve on, you can get better playing, um, you know, down level competition, right? Like even though it's not going to test you the way the non-con win would, you can still get better through October through November, you know, and then be a better team than you were at the end of September, right? Yeah, and I think like you saw that in the Rice match, I think like there were a couple of free balls that Rice put over that crane let drop and you're just like, mm. what's going on, right? Like those are things that you can control and a team like Georgetown is probably going to have a few of those moments where they're throwing junk balls over and it's mm -hmm. not typical, you know, like high powered offense and it's not your typical defense, like just a straight up like approach, a really, you know, solid all around volleyball team. So I think there's some of those in the Big East where if you're getting a free ball over, let's put a perfect pass on our setter's head. It's, you know, it's those things like just a little bit better. Like let's make that pass a little bit better. Let's make that connection completely clean with our middle. You know, let's let's run a quick ball out to the outside. Let's move her around. Let's. So I think it's those things where like you can continue to just kind of hone in on those things and make them just a little bit better, a little bit cleaner um, so that, at, you know, towards the end of the season, you do those things without even really having to think about it, you know, or harp on it. Like, let's get Kendra on the net. This ball came over easy. OK, she's she's up in the front row. We know that we're aware. Let's put that ball on the net so that she can get a dump, you know, those things that you maybe wouldn't notice as just a typical, you know, viewer of volleyball. But mm -hmm. when you watch those balls, you know, just they're in the perfect place. You know, it's not even a question. Like, it, it just looks easy. It looks effortless. I think those are the things that they can continue to get better on so that it will serve them well and they don't have to, you know, hone in on that or mentally think about that down the road. Gotcha. That's a good way to wrap this up. Um, so, yeah, uh, Friday at 6.30, Creighton versus Georgetown, Sunday at 1 p.m., excuse me, Creighton versus Villanova. Big East play is here, second season as the volleyball players and coaches call it. Um, so that's been our Creighton Volleyball Wrap-Up Podcast from the Rice Adidas Invitational, recapping Creighton's win over Kansas State and their loss in five to Rice. For Megan Ballinger, I'm Matt DeMarinas. Thank you for tuning in again. We'll talk to you. This is more of a routine now. We're going like, you know, it's just going to be weekend matches. Well, I guess 
I shouldn't have said that because the next weekend's and literally Wednesday. <laughs> Dang it. It just felt normal for a minute. I'm sorry. It just did. Anyway, you know we'll be back next weekend to talk to you again after Georgetown and Villanova. So we thank you all for tuning in always, and we hope you all have a good week.